Welcome to the Declaration Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor John Sherrill. For more information about Declaration Church and other resources, visit declaration.org. All right, so I hope everybody is doing well this morning. Are you doing well? Now remember, you got to talk back to me so I don't feel so lonely and insecure up here, all right? So if it's funny, laugh. If it's not funny, laugh. Just make me feel... Okay, good. Week 8... Intentional is our series. We're walking through the book of Ephesians. We're nearly done. One more week. It's been a great series. I hope that, that God has used it in your life um, as we've kind of walked through just God's intentional design for your life. He's got purpose for you, for your family, for community, for church. I mean, there's so many things that we could have said. We could have stayed in this book for a long time. And so we've really just tried to highlight as much as we can and so we're going to be in Ephesians 5 this morning. We'll go there in just a minute. But I just want to say, hey, it's summer. Is everybody happy about that? Kids? I know most of our kids are back there. There you go. He's happy. All right. I'm with you, man. It's good for about a day. It's good. Yeah. Moms and dads, you feel me? All right. Welcome to summer. Um, a lot of our families are already traveling. How do y'all do that? It's like we didn't even know if they were going to flood one more day, and we had school Monday, and y'all are like, we're going to Florida, you know, like. And a lot of people, so if you're listening by podcasts, we're all jealous. Okay, can't be too jealous, though. I said this in Next Steps earlier because I'm going to talk about jealousy for a minute, and so I can't say that. Anyway, all right, so I want to encourage you. It is summer. Welcome to it. I want to encourage you not to fall to a sickness known as the summer slump. Everybody say summer slump. Summer is an amazing time, but it's also a time where we get to relax, right? What I don't want to do, I, I don't want you to, or maybe I should say it like this. It's a little more life-giving. I want to encourage you to not relax so much that you forget community, all right? Have a good relaxing summer. I want you to relax, but don't forget community. We want you to be here. We want to spend time with you. We want to get to know you better now that maybe the schedule slowed down a little bit. A little bit, and uh, we want to get to know you better. We're going to do some life groups this summer. We're going to launch that pretty soon, so we're going to talk about those really soon through email. If you're not receiving our email, please go to the Hub and make sure we have your address so that we can let you know what's happening when it's happening. Life groups are going to be awesome. Stay connected to community. Come be a part of Declaration this summer. It's just going to get gooder from here. Is that poor grammar? I'm sorry. It gets gooder. That's a part where it's not funny, but you still laugh, so I don't feel insecure, Okay. Good. Um, continue to pray. Continue to serve. Continue to, to move towards that dream team. We had Next Steps 1 today again. We'll have Next Steps 2 next week. Um, it's, it's getting a lot more funner. There's another good grammar for you. It's funner. Again, not funny. Okay. Continue to give. Make sure that you're being generous in your time and your talents and your treasures and just the way that you talk. Champion the kingdom. What God is doing right here between 45 and 59, God is doing some incredible things. In fact, there's a new church that launched at Burnham Woods, River of Life Church. So we want to begin to pray for them. I think the pastor's name is Josh. I've not met him yet, but I'm looking forward to that. So continue to champion what God is doing in the area. Do not allow yourself to fall into the summer slump. Say it again, summer slump. Right, it just sounds bad, so let's just not do that, all right? It's going to be a great summer. I'm excited about it. All right, so last week, we were in the back half of, of Ephesians chapter 4 through this series called Intentional. If you were able to be here last Sunday or if you listened online, um, I hope you left maybe asking yourself this question, am I being intentional with my life? 
Am I being intentional with my life? Last week, that's really kind of what we dug into is intentionality with the life that God has given you. And so one thing that I actually I should say, one thing that has been really crystal clear all throughout the book of Ephesians is that God has such an intentional design for each and every one of us. Amen? He has a purpose just for you. It's like he cuts you out of a cloth that no one else would ever be cut out of just for you. He has this purpose for such a time as this. He didn't just create us for eternal destination. Yes, where we will spend eternity is very important because it's a whole lot longer than this brief moment will be here, right? So it's not just about the destination, though. He also created you for destiny. And it's important for you to realize when, when he says in John 10 that, that Jesus came to give abundant life, that abundant is full. There's something that's supposed to be very full about walking with Jesus, abundant. And I don't know if you're like me, but I grew up the way I grew up. I could not have put definition to that. In fact, I was just telling the Next Steps um, crew earlier that there was many years, even being a professional, okay, I say that kind of, you know, sarcastically, a professional Christian, a worship leader, there were many years that it was work for me to even get up and to go lead worship sometimes. It wasn't abundant and full. Why? Because I wasn't walking and living into the fullness of what God called me to. God has a destination and a destiny for each and every one of us. He doesn't need us, but he desires to use us, and that's a beautiful thing. And who doesn't want to make a difference in the world? Who doesn't want to make an impact? All of us do. Who doesn't want to have a lasting legacy? Each and every one of us. It's the most important thing about our opportunity when it comes to following Jesus. He chose you. He calls you. He recreates you, renews you, qualifies you. And then he invites you to come work with him so to see this world come to know true love Maybe those people in your sphere of influence, imagine. Maybe God wants to use you so that they might come to know true, authentic, absolute love or joy or even purpose. Man, what a privilege. What a privilege that we have this invitation, an awesome invitation, only become a, because of Jesus, to become a minister on mission with him, in him, and for him. So last week, we saw that life should look differently with Jesus than it does before Jesus. This is one of the biggest points that we made last week. Your life, because of Jesus being on board, should be different than it was before Jesus. It's that Ephesians 2, but God moment. Verses 1 through 3, it's really bad news, but verse 4 comes on the scene and says, but God did this, and now look what you have because of who he is. This is what you have. So your life should look differently with Jesus than it did before Jesus. Part of the concern in Christianity today is that there doesn't seem to be much of a difference in the lives of people who claim Jesus versus those who don't. This is an issue. It's not just an epidemic. It's a pandemic issue. And the byproduct of truly surrendering to Jesus means that there will be a difference to how you live your life, to how you walk. It's that walking worthy of the calling that we saw in Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. There's a difference There is or should be a visible, evident difference because of the activity of Jesus in your life and the new identity that he gives to you upon surrendering to him. 
So Ephesians 4, 17 through 20 last week, Paul illustrated this by emphatically stating that once you claim Jesus, stop continuing to live the way what it says of the Gentile or stop living like the one who does not belong to God, the one whose mind is darkened and is described as hopelessly confused, or the one who wanders far from the Lord because of a hardened heart and a closed mind. It's saying, stop living this way. There is a better way. So in verse 20, he says, this is not what you learned about Christ. Those things is the opposite of what Jesus brings. He brings clarity. He brings purpose. He brings joy. He brings peace that you longed for. He brings absolute truth and unconditional, overwhelming love, unmerited love and favor. He gives to you in Jesus. Why would you do anything else? Paul then went on to say this, choose Jesus, be committed to Jesus, do not crave and be consumed by the present culture. We spent a lot of time last week talking about Romans 12, 1 and 2, we went into 2 Corinthians 5, just really illustrating the difference of life before Jesus versus what life looks like after Jesus. It's different. It's, as, it's, even, it's, it's, it's more of a stark difference. Do you remember aerial footage after Hurricane Katrina of what it looked like pre-storm and then what it looked like post-storm? It should be even more emphatically different than even that. It's the best illustration I could come up with on the fly. Jesus came to save our culture, not to be subservient of it. Paul illustrated this exchange that happens with Jesus by saying, take off the old life and put on the new. Take off the old, put on the new. Someone say, take off the old. Look at your neighbor say, put on the new. Now say it like you mean it. Look at one neighbor, take off that old. Another neighbor, put on the new. This is how Paul illustrated this. He says, walk away from your past and walk ahead into your purpose. Your past is death. Walk away from death and walk towards destiny. It's as simple as that and it's as stark as that. The world would try to convince you that there is no difference, which is why there's a lot of this pandemic in the church today of not looking different. But listen, it is this different. Take off the old, put on the new. Walk away from those things that bring death and walk towards those things that bring destiny and life. It's completely different. So the question this morning, are you being intentional with your life? I bring it back from last week. Are you being intentional with your life? If you is anybody watched the news at all? I mean, you plugged in to any sort of news this week. What is the biggest headline of the week that we saw play out over the last eight days or so? Anybody? Say it again. Gorilla. Anybody ever ever play that song? Gorilla beats the man, man beats the gun. Anybody play that song? That was my ADD right there. I'm sorry, I just went there. But you're right. The gorilla was the story that captivated the world this last week. I think if I say it right, Harambe, Harambe, in the Cincinnati Zoo, let me just say it like this. Some reports say it was a three-year-old. Some reports say it was a four-year-old. But there's this little boy that wanted to go into this habitat where this 17-year-old, 400-pound male gorilla with his two female companions lived. The mom says, what? No, absolutely not. If your kid's like, hey, I want to go in there. I mean, No. That's insane. No, that's crazy. You're not going to do that. Well, mom's got three other kids, and that's really hard. Moms, do you feel my pain? Right. I mean, that's a hard deal, right? This is, the, the, the struggle is real. Hashtag it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, the struggle is real. And so 
She takes her eye off this kid for one second. And if this kid's anything like any of mine, all it takes is like a nanosecond, right? And you're like, where'd they go? Where'd they go? What are they into? What did they break? I mean, you know, this happened to me last year. December, Pottery Barn. Very breakable, beautiful ornaments. Big ornament. I walk in. Don't touch that. Let me rephrase it. This don't touch. I said it twice. Turned around. I was not turned around for three seconds, and I hear shatter. And I didn't even look. I just looked at the lady and said, I think I just bought that. It's that fast. And sure enough, what did that little kid do? He climbed through and fell into this pit where this gorilla is. So he, he falls 10 to 12 feet. Another time I read a, a report of, of 16 feet. I don't know the exact, but he fell. He wasn't horrifically hurt by that, but, you know, he was hurt. He falls into this enclosure. He's with this gorilla for at least 10 minutes before the emergency response team deems the situation as life-threatening and puts a plan in order. So they, they choose to act by killing this gorilla in order to save the life of this child. And the, and the media goes crazy. I mean, social media went insane, first of all. Not just the regular media, but social media was over the top. And this illustrated a few things to me, and if you will... It'll make sense in a minute, but there's four things that I thought. Number one, again, my belief that while social media can be somewhat helpful in getting the word out about all God is doing in the church, I will also say, and I'll hold to it, social media may very well be the worst thing to ever happen to the church universal. As our culture tends to use it as a bully platform in order to be heard. That was the first thing that I quickly saw really fast because it wasn't just any person that I was seeing some of the stuff that was being said, it was church people too, and it was not comfortable. Number two, another thing that I noticed, you know, like people were really kind of gravitating between was it right, was it wrong, should they kill him, should they, you know, uh, what is it, tranquilize, I mean, this is, this is what I noticed. Number two, why is it, <laughs> why is it that we are so often mesmerized by looking through the glass at dangerous things? Let me say it like this. This illustrates to me how often we allow ourselves to get so close to dangerous, even sinful situations because our flesh is drawn towards them. We look through and observe stuff sometimes that otherwise would be considered a dangerous situation. And sadly, like this little guy, we find ways around the false facade of the protective glass and find ourselves far too often in the dangerous situation. And then guess what? It can cost us our life. Teenagers, I've been speaking to teenagers forever. What do you think of when it comes to dating and relationships is the number one question teenagers ask for years and years and years. What is that question? How far is? You know what that is? That's going to the zoo of sin and standing on one side of the glass trying to figure out how close can I get to this thing to observe it. That's one thing I saw from this situation. Third thing that I saw. Mom says no. Why? Why would mom say no, you can't go in there? Obviously, to protect this child. How many times has God said no and given us barriers and boundaries and told us to not go looking for things like this? Because guess what? We will find it. Do not go past this barrier. I mean, look at Eden. You have everything that you need for life and godliness. Being intentional with your life would say, hey, here's everything you need, everything imaginable that's good and joyful and amazing. One thing, 
Don't eat from this tree right here. You have all this, Adam. Eve, you got all this over here. All of it. Just don't, don't do that. And what did they do? Fourth thing. We are so often focused on wrong things. Society screams over and, and build monuments. They built altars to the loss of this gorilla. It's almost, if not truly, idol worship. While not considering the cost or the value of the potential loss of life that could have happened for this child. We have severely misplaced values right now. They're so completely messed up. It is indeed tragic that such an amazing creation of God had to lose its life in order to protect the life of this little guy. But think about it. There's a scriptural picture at play that I do not want you to miss here. One, or A, there has to be a death in order to secure life. And B, blood had to be shed in order to secure freedom. There was a lot to be seen from this news that captured the world this last week. But I wonder how many of us really saw it for what it really was that God could have said by it. Ed Stetzer is a leading voice in church analytics today. He posted a tweet that said something to this degree, just kind of putting his perspective on it. He says, in five days, 700 refugees drowned in Greece. 9,000 babies were aborted in the U.S. alone. 68 people were shot in Chicago, but a gorilla dominated our news cycle. We have misplaced, misaligned values. We are too focused on culture. Our values and our mindset and our worldview has become very misaligned. When we have been transformed and renewed by the truth of Jesus, we are brand new. We walk away from the things that lead to death and walk toward the things that lead to destiny in life. We look like Jesus when we come to him. We act like Jesus when we come to him. We think like Jesus when we come to him. We are like, we smell like Jesus. We talk like Jesus when we come to him. This is the way it should look. And simple compassion isn't enough to counter the culture. I'm sure that plenty of people, obviously, obviously plenty of people had compassion on this child but some people were so outraged, and these people are even calling for revenge and some sort of justice on behalf of this gorilla. It's really not the point of the story. The point is beginning to see the situation from spiritual eyes and allowing our response to be driven by the Spirit of God and not the circumstance. Zoom out, see the bigger picture. Paul continues the conversation in Ephesians chapter 5, and this is where we're going to begin today. Being intentional with your life leads right into this, being intentional with your time. But it's still talking about your life. Because how you live your life is often defined by a few things. How you spend your time. And how you spend your talents and treasures. So being intentional with your life, Paul begins in chapter 5, verse 1. He says this, therefore, based on all of these things that we discussed in Ephesians 1 through 4, he says, be imitators of God as beloved children. Mimic what you see in the scriptures from God. Well, how do you do that? Quickly, look to Jesus. Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. Remember, we talked about that last week. Mimic, imitate God as, don't miss this, a beloved child. You are a beloved child of God. You have the privilege to walk intimately and fervently, passionately with your father. Now, I realize that some of us, 
We did not have that example growing up of that earthly dad that would give us a really healthy, great picture of a heavenly father. And so it's harder for you to, to be able to really accept and understand and embrace this. But get this, I know this. Unequivocally, I know in every heart, this is what you've desired. This is what you've desired. And you have this access and privilege to God to be an imitator of him as his beloved child. Anybody have sons in the room? If you have a son, kind of raise your hand. A boy, you know what I'm talking about. And you see your son hanging out with dad. One of the best pictures that I've seen here in the last few weeks is a dad mowing the lawn, and his son's right behind him with his little toy lawn mower. You know what I'm saying? I love that stuff, man. That stuff gets me all weepy. It's like last story when I was, last week when I was talking about Toy Story 3. I'm like, no, I'm good. I just got allergies, right? Get all weepy. Love that stuff, but that's exactly what it is. It's this kid, I mean, almost idolizing dad and wanting to do everything he sees dad do. Kyle, he's eight. <laughs> One day he goes, Okay, so, you know, I mean, he just, every now and then he'll just say things. You almost, I wish I could record it sometimes because it's like, Where do you come up with this? But it's awesome. He goes, Okay, so if dad dies, mom can preach. If mom dies, Jane can preach. If Jaden dies, I guess Jack will preach for a while, but then I'll probably take over. So I'll preach, or either that or no, maybe I'll just lead worship. I know he's just going through this whole deal, right? He's got the, the whole plan. Like, Dad's going to kick it first, obviously. Let's focus there, right? Why well, I got to kick it, you know? So I grounded him. No, I didn't. But he had this whole plan. But you know what? What's the root of that? The root of that is this is what I see Dad do. I'm gonna, I want to I wanna do what Dad does. Kelly showed me this, this uh, assignment that Jack had written at school some point in last, week, or last year talking about his hero. And he talked about his hero who leads worship and preaches. And I knew who he was talking about. Not, it was Billy Graham. No, I'm just playing. It was me. But it, I couldn't come up with it fast enough. Sorry. I'm not on my game today. But, you know, but that's, that's a child wanting to imitate dad. And that is it. To be imitators of God as beloved children. We are so loved by God. He holds us as such a valuable place. And we have this access. We saw it all through the book of Hebrews. We have this equal access to God because of Jesus. And he says, man, be an imitator of God. You want to understand fullness? You want to understand destiny? You want to walk in your design? Imitate God. That's what he's saying. Be an imitator of God. When we are being intentional with our life and walking worthy of the calling of God, we are able to be imitators of God as beloved children. How do we even approach this? If, remember Ephesians 4, that being transformed, take off the old, put on the new. So look at verse 2 of Ephesians 5. It says this, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Walk in love. Look at the way Christ did it. He gave him, he loved us so much that he gave himself up so that we could have life. He did this for us. And it was a fragrant offering. It was a sacrifice to God. It was true, uninhibited worship to say, I am willing to do this, God, on the behalf of these, because this is what you ask. Selfless, sacrificial. Walk in love. 2 Corinthians 2, 14 through 16 says this. But thanks be to God who is in Christ Jesus leads us in triumphal procession. Man, I don't want you to miss that. I love this. He leads us in triumphal procession. We have triumphed. We are victorious. And through us, he spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. That's minister on mission. 
That's what the whole thing is about in our mission and vision statement, that you would be a minister on mission, that you would spread the fragrance of God everywhere you go. I love that. Verse 15, for we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one a fragrance from death to death, to the other a fragrance from life to life. So as you go, how are you walking? How are you doing? How, how do you walk worthy in the calling of God? That verse says to walk in love. Imitate God as you see Jesus do. Be self-sacrificing. Walk in love. Put others before you. Walk in love. Love people so much that you're willing to pay any price, any cost, in order to see them be able to step into their destiny and to be able to secure their eternal destination with God forever. Walk in love. Verse 3, he goes on to say this, But sexually, sexual immorality and all impurity and covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. He's basically saying this new identity your new name, you're now a saint. You're not just a sinner saved by grace through faith. I can't tell you how many times in life I've come across people at churches, and it's like this is their crutch. This is their excuse. This is their reason to still be dysfunctional in their walk with God and not live walking according to the Spirit by the power of the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. They say this. They use Scripture against itself, and they say, well, you know, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Oh, you are a sinner saved by grace through faith. You have a brand new name. You have a brand new identity. He no longer sees the sinner. He now sees saint. Why would you continue to live in the past and the things that led to death when he has saved you, made an exchange, and offered you life? You are a sinner saved by grace through faith, saved past tense. Something else has happened. You are a new creation. You are a new creation. You have a new identity. You can walk worthy of calling. It means this to not... To even be among you, these things, sexual immorality and purity, these things should not even be among you. Being jealous and coveting things should not be among you. When it says sexually immoral, it's, it's as defined in Scripture. This is a hard, hard passage. Today is not the, this is not the point to unpack this today. But let me tell you something. This is a difficult, difficult statement to be made because now we have been redefining what sexual immorality is in our culture, and unfortunately, we're trying to force that into Scripture and make Scripture dance with our agenda instead of allowing the agenda of God's Scripture to breathe on us and change the agenda. But it's saying this should not be among you. It says be pure. Why? Matthew 5, 8, one of my favorite passages. Blessed are those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. Be pure. Do not covet. Or want something that you do not have or desire something that belongs to someone else. Don't do that. It's a form of idolatry, which is anything that you personify as your object of worship. Anything that you bow your life to that is not God and God alone. Do not do that. Do not covet idolatry. Paul goes on to say more. Verse 4, he says, let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. Look back, remember Ephesians 4.29? It says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it might give grace to those who hear this, that purpose in that, so that it might give grace. Hey, don't let there be filthy or foolish talk. 
Don't do crude joking. It's out of place. It doesn't build up and give grace. It doesn't show God to be attractive in every way. It's not the fragrance of life. It's a reminder of the stench of death. Don't do that. Instead, be thankful, be joyful, be grateful. Go back to Ephesians 5, verse 5. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. What a scary verse to me. Is that scary to anybody else? That scares me to death when I see that. Why? I'm guilty of those things. Are you? I have been guilty of those things. I mean, let's just keep it real. Man, that verse is scary stuff. Here's what it's not saying. It's not saying if you've ever done this, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. What it is saying, though, is that if your life is characterized by this, you better think about it. That's what it's saying. You guys doing all right? The old life may very well be this, but the new life in Jesus is different. It's just different. If your life is characterized by this list and it is not who you are, then you better think about, do I really belong to Jesus? If your life is, I mean, if you look at this list that Paul lays out and you say, yep, 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 checking the box, checking the box, yep. Man, I would say, man, really pray into this. Do you really have a relationship with Jesus? Maybe you're like me. Man, I grew up with a strong relationship with religion. I grew up with a relationship with the church. I love the community of people. I can go back and name names. I can even tell you which reserve pew they sat on. Come on, somebody. Man, I had a great upbringing. But I had a relationship with church and religion for a long, long time. And it is different than a relationship with Jesus I said this to the Next Steps crew. I said, you know what? I can stand at McDonald's. It does not make me a McNugget, right? Come on, somebody. You can sit in a church. You can have a reserve pew. You can give a lot of money. You can serve in a lot of different areas of ministry and still not know Jesus. I'm not trying to confuse you. I'm trying to encourage you. Listen, if you have grown up like I did with a relationship with church and religion, Ask yourself, but do I really know him? Do I know him? Do I know him? I can go, stand, I can go in the Woodlands, Texas right now, and, and I can stand outside the gates of Carlton Woods, but I don't live in Carlton Woods, but I can be there. They don't invite me in. Do you know Jesus? Do you know him? It's impossible if your life is characterized by the list that Paul laid out, it's impossible that this would be the fruit or the evidence of Jesus in your life. It's just impossible. If you serve an idol, you don't serve God. If you love an idol, you don't love God. If you bow to an idol, you are not bowing to God. Either he is the Lord of all or he is not the Lord at all in your life. Please understand, this is not about moralistic deism. It's not a checklist, right? Your relationship with Jesus is not based upon a system of rules and regulations. It's not something to just demand a certain type of behavior. It's not a behavior modification therapy session. This is a life-changing um, moment where your life collides with the glory of who God is, and it completely wrecks you. Isaiah 6, it undoes you. It completely realigns everything about your life and your heart and your mind. It changes 
everything. And the overflow that comes out of that then becomes this behavior. You should not even desire these things anymore, these things that lead to death and smell like the fragrance of death. You should be running towards the things of life. They should be the evidence what comes out of you when you are squeezed, what comes out. You know, I had some people one time after Kyle was born in his story, if you know it, after he was born, it's a hard story if you don't know it. And I had some people that would say, you know, like months down the road, somebody would say, you know, man, it was a real joy. Tell me if this doesn't sound strange. Only in the church sometimes. You, got, you feeling me? It was a real joy to watch you suffer. And I'm like, what's wrong with you, dude? You know, like, what do you mean? Watch me suffer. How is that, you know, encouraging? No, it was a joy to watch you suffer. You suffered well. That says something. Now, personally, I could look in the mirror and go, I don't feel like I suffered very well. The only place I could get alone was in the men's restroom at Memorial Hermann Hospital. And when I could get alone for those brief seconds, the whole time I was in there as a professional Christian, joking again, the whole time I was in there, I was saying, God, are you real? Do you see this? Do you understand what's happening to my family? Do you know what this is costing us? Do you know the emotional turmoil that my wife is going through? Are you in this? Are you near? Are you immune? Have you divorced yourself from my reality? Where are you, God? Perspective, this guy, man, I just love to watch you suffer well. You suffered so well. Well, thanks, I guess. When your life is squeezed, what comes out? That is a good evidence of what's inside. The other day, Jaden and I were talking about music. And I was like, hey, man, some of this stuff you're listening to, let's just kind of counteract that a little bit, right? I'm not going to be legalistic and say you can't because I've seen what happens with 17 and 18-year-olds when you do that. It does not end well. But I am going to say, let's think about this. What are you putting in, Jaden? Because what you put in comes out. So we talk about it. And I was like, imagine it. Let's say I ate three large pizzas every day. How long would it be until dad could not fit in the car, you know? What you come in, what you put in is coming out somehow. That's all I'm saying. When your life is squeezed, what comes out? What's going on? Does your life look like this list that Paul laid out? Or is it the opposite? What's the overflow? If Jesus is the focus of your life, the fruit that comes out of your life will look like that of Jesus. And you will be an imitator of God. Paul goes on to say in verse 6 and 7, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. This is another reason why I think social media can be so corruptive and dangerous. Facebook, where everyone's an expert and everyone has an opinion, right? With every post, you are silently invited to make a choice. You will, okay, will you pick up the person's offense? Have you, ever, have you ever found yourself doing that? Your friend gets offended, so guess what? It's like that whole Grey's Anatomy thing. I'm your person. Do we like them or not? We don't like them. We don't like them. You know what I'm saying? Some of you are like, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm feeling it. I'm tracking. Some of you are like, he just did Grey's Anatomy here in church. He's going to hell for at least five minutes, you know? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Josh Lewis. Do not be partners with them. But do you pick up the person's offense who posted? Um, are you speaking life or death in response? What do you believe about what was posted versus what do you believe about Jesus? And which one of those beliefs will you be driven by when you actually respond to said posts? Be careful not to partner with deception. Deception breeds disobedience and it ultimately will destroy you. 
Church, be careful. Do not partner with empty words on social media. Only partner yourself with words of life from Scripture. I'm not trying to be rhetorical. It's real. Here's the question. And it's something I ask myself. So I'm not asking you this question. Hear me. I'm telling you. This is me. I ask myself every day, how much time am I spending in the things of God and in Scripture and in worship and in prayer versus how much time social media compels me to itself? Or media in general. It's just a question that I ask myself. And sometimes I don't do so well. And you know what? There's fruit in that. Everyone sees it. Starting with my family first. Be careful. Ephesians 5.8 says, For at one time you were darkness, but now you were light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, just like Ephesians 4.18. Those Gentiles, they were darkened with their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance, because of their confusion, because of their hardness of heart. But verse 9 in Ephesians says this, For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Trees produce fruit. What fruit is your life producing this morning, church? How are you walking? Are you being intentional with your life? Are you walking worthy of this calling? Let me ask you another question. Are you being intentional with your life by being intentional with your time? How are you spending your time? Paul goes on to say in Ephesians 5.10, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. What is God's will? Well, I can tell you simply, to know him, to make him known, to walk worthy, to throw off the old life and to put on the new life. To put on what is becoming to this call that God has placed upon your life for such a time as this. Ephesians 5.11 goes on and says, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of these things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. Listen, listen. Secrets breed sin, which eventually will suffocate you. If you're living secrets, it breeds further sin, and eventually it will suffocate you. Living in secret leads to death, not life. Living an intentional life and living intentional with your time is living a life exposed and open and vulnerable and honest, of good character. Being a a God imitator is a beloved child. Verse 14. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. Look then carefully how you are walking, not as unwise, but wise. Stop, look, listen, walk carefully. Maybe you're stuck right there in 14. Awake, O sleeper. Maybe your faith has been dormant. Maybe you were sealed by the Spirit of God when you invited Jesus in, but you never put the keys in the Maserati and turned it on and started walking in the Spirit. Maybe you've been walking in the Spirit, but you have forgotten to go to the refueling station of the Spirit of God far too long, and you were bone dry, and you were just burned out. But this morning, God is saying, awaken, O sleeper. Or maybe you need to rise from the dead because you had a relationship with religion or church for far too long. And you recognize that really it's about Jesus and you need to come to him. Look carefully how you're walking right now. Examine the fruit of your life and see where you stand. Consider it. There's far too much at stake. Every day, that phrase goes through my mind at least five times. There's too much at stake. There's too much at stake. Here's why. Years ago, I went through a real horrible dark season. I didn't trust anybody, didn't want to have anything to do with anybody, didn't really know if I wanted to follow God anymore, didn't really want to do ministry anymore. And you know what? I decided I was kind of done. 
I was angry with God. I was angry with the church. I was angry with my family. I was done. And that could have led me into some really, really, really dark, dark, on the other side of the gorilla cage, trying to find my way in situations. You see it? And there were a couple of moments, guess what? That your pastor even tried to get on the other side of the wall. I'm not proud of that. I'm not proud of that. The enemy used it for so long in my life. And so you know what? I kind of adopted a couple of things. One, I would pray daily. I don't know how many times a day. God, capture my thoughts. Capture my thoughts. Captivate me, God, with your beauty. Captivate me by your glory. Capture my thoughts, God. These thoughts are not your thoughts. I rebuke that. Capture me. And then the second thing is there's too much at stake. There's too much at stake. You, there's too much at stake. Every day when I wake up and I begin to pray, guess what comes to my heart? This has never happened before in 20 years of ministry. Guess what comes to my heart? You do. You do. Whether you claim declaration as your family or not, we've already claimed you, but you come to my heart. There's too much at stake. And beyond you, I love you, but I look at my boys. There's too much at stake. There's too much at stake. Verse 16 says, make the best use of time because the days are evil. And we'll end pretty quick with this. While you are here, make the best use of your time. Why? Because he says the days are evil. Be used by God to make a difference. Be a minister on mission. Love God. Love people. Be about the work of the kingdom. Go make God known. It's your privilege. You were invited to do this with him. You know what our struggle is? All right, pay attention. Here it goes. Write this down if you need to. Here's our struggle. Far too often, we worship our work, we work at our play, and we play at our worship. That's far too often our struggle. We have built a life worshiping our work. We're so busy working, trying to make a living, that we're forgetting to live the life. We worship our work, and we work at our play. We do everything we can, and I'm not saying this is a bad thing. Sabbaths are good. Time out is good. Vacations are good. But unfortunately, beyond the real scope of those things, we work really hard to play. That's why we've got some guys that are still 45 years old living at home with mom playing video games. I'm not trying to be hating. I'm just saying. It's not normal. Hashtag thanks MTV. The devil channel. Sorry, that was my old school roots coming out. I went straight to hell. Watch that TV and, yeah, straight to hell. All right. We worship our work. We work at our play. And here's the most tragic part is then we play at our worship. We will go to a football game or watch on TV and act a complete fool in our house. We will see the soccer goal score, strip our shirt off, and run around the house screaming like a banshee. And then we'll come to worship and we look bored. With the creator of the universe, the presence, he is in the place, and we look bored. What? That's why I said we got to be Declaration Church. we got to have happy people who don't mind talking back. Thank you, Bishop. you here. Come on. Who don't mind saying, yeah, who don't mind cheering and clapping and shouting out with joy and gratitude to God for who he is and all he is doing and what he's done. 
Because we have so much more to declare than our team getting a goal in the game. We worship our work, we work at our play, and we play at our worship. Verse 17 says, therefore, don't be foolish. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Foolish meaning lacking in sense, judgment, or discernment, direction. Don't be foolish, but instead understand what the will of the Lord is. Put on the mind of Christ. How do you do that? Ask him for it. If you ask for wisdom, he'll give it. Ask him for it. James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, if any of you lacks it, ask God. He gives generously to all who approach him, and it will be given to him. Without reproach, he gives generously. Paul goes on in verse 18. Don't get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Debauchery means extreme indulgence and sensuality. Don't be drunk on wine. Well, let me just say it like this. Be drunk. Has anyone ever said that in church? <laughs> just not on wine. Be drunk on the Spirit of God. Do that. It doesn't say don't drink wine. It says don't be drunk. Don't be too loose with it. Don't be drunk. In fact, I think there's going to be a lot of interesting things that happen when we all get to heaven. And we're invited to the banqueting table where Jesus says, I'm not going to drink of the fruit of this vine again until you're with me in paradise. And all of a sudden, he breaks out the good stuff like at the wedding. And some of the people in the certain denominations are going to be like, oh! You know what I'm feeling? You feeling me? Just saying. <laughs> You're not going to remember anything about this message, but the gorilla and the be drunk. I got you. Okay. It's a winning day. Hashtag winning. All right. Don't be foolish. Understand the will of God. To know him, to make him known, to imitate him, to be like him, to love him, to love others. Paul says as he ends here in verse 19, 20, or actually maybe close. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all of your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, this is why one of our values will always be passionate worship because we have so much to be thankful for and we have so much to declare. Give thanks in everything. Our posture should always be of thanksgiving. Verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. How do we then do relationship? How do we walk in community? By submitting to one another, by serving one another out of thankfulness and reverence. How? Out of a heart posture of worship and honor, to honor one another. Honor Jesus, honor others. Put others ahead of yourself. Be intentional with your time. It's valuable. Time is something you cannot ever get back. Don't waste the time you have here. Tozer, A.W. Tozer once said this. When you kill time, remember that it has no resurrection. When you kill time, it has no resurrection. Be intentional with your life. Be intentional with your family. Be intentional in community. Be intentional with your church family. Be intentional with your time. Tozer also said this, the man who would truly know God must give time to him. So if we are to imitate God as beloved children and live a life of response in the way Paul has described, we must be intentional with our time. Okay, so let's end this way. If you had a bank that credited your account every morning with $86,000 that carried over no balance from day to day. It allows you to keep no cash in your account and every evening canceled whatever part of the amount that you failed to use during the day. What would you do? Would you draw out every cent every day, of course, and, and use it to your advantage? Okay, so time. You actually have this bank. Account and you were actually deposited 
86,400 seconds every day. And every night it rules off as lost whatever of this that you fail to invest in good purpose. It carries over no balances. It allows no overdrafts. Each day it opens a new account with you. And if you fail to use the day's deposits, the loss is yours. There's no going back. There is no drawing against tomorrow. When you kill time, it has no resurrection. Be intentional with your time. Let's pray together. Father, thank you this morning for your greatness, for your goodness. God, we bless you. I pray that we bless you this morning. God, that you, as you search to and fro looking for that true worshiper, the one that worships in spirit and truth, God, that you are fixed right here on Declaration Church at Snyder Elementary in Spring, Texas. God, that your, your gaze is so fixed, so joyful. God, thank you for what you've given to us, the time that you've given us, the calling that you've placed upon our lives. This morning, the calling to our family, the calling to a destiny that is beyond comprehension. It's far greater, immeasurably more than we could ever hope for or imagine for ourselves. God, thank you for your intentionality with our family. Let us be as intentional. God, thank you for intentionality with community and with the church. Thank you for the calling to your church. Let us be intentional, God. Thank you, God for the intentionality in which you've created every life that's here and those that are not. God, you were so intentional in your design when you created each and every one of us. And so, Father, thank you for that. Let us fulfill that by being as equally intentional with the life you've given and called us to and the time that you give us. God, we love you, and I pray that our love deepens more and more and more. And, God, that our life would be an overflow, that the fruit would be fruit of your spirit in an overwhelming manner. What is it that you desire to do today? What is it that you desire to do in our lives? What are you asking of us today? What do we need to know today, Father? Church, would you just ask him? What are you asking of me today, Father? What do you desire? Maybe the Lord's calling you to step out. To say, man, it's time. It's time right now. I got to be intentional. I got to get going. It's time. Thanks for listening to the Declaration Church podcast. We pray many blessings over you and your journey as you declare him to the nations. For more podcasts and teaching, visit declaration.org. Slash podcast. Now to live, I've come away.